President Tsai Ing-wen says Taiwan hopes to work with the U.S., Japan and other partners to counter global threats. She was speaking at the annual Taiwan-U.S.-Japan Trilateral Indo-Pacific Security Dialogue in Taipei. Tsai said that only by working together can the world tackle threats like Chinese aggression, natural disasters and international crime. Kurt Campbell, who was an assistant secretary of state for the Obama administration, attended the forum virtually. He said there was a bipartisan consensus in the U.S. on protecting Taiwan's democracy and strengthening its military defense. Speaking at the Taiwan-U.S.-Japan Trilateral Indo-Pacific Security Dialogue, President Tsai addressed the many challenges that Taiwan has faced in 2020. The South China Sea has become increasingly militarized. Taiwan has been at the receiving end of such military threats on a daily basis. Taiwan continues to welcome old and new friends and form partnerships with like-minded allies particularly the United States, Japan, and Czech Republic. Tsai noted that 2020 was the fifth anniversary of the Global Cooperation and Training Framework. She said she was pleased to see Japan, Sweden, Australia, and the Netherlands partner with the framework. Taiwan hopes to work with its partners to tackle global issues, she said. GCTF is a unique platform through which Taiwan and the U.S. have set up workshops to train officials and experts to address non-traditional security and emerging global issues. When natural disasters occur, Taiwan and its regional partners are prepared to help. Our strategic interests in maintaining a strong relationship with Taiwan. I also think that the United States to be effective is going to have to both rejoin international organizations. Ultimately, I'd love to see an environment in which tensions are reduced between Taiwan and Beijing. Our goal, however, is to assure commitment to Taiwan's democracy. Campbell served as Assistant Secretary of State for East Asian and Pacific Affairs under the Obama administration. Via teleconference, he said there was a bipartisan consensus on the preservation of Taiwan's democracy. Taiwan has reported two new COVID cases, an Indonesian woman and a Taiwanese man who flew in from China on November 22nd. Officials say they will investigate the man's case carefully, as there's a small chance he was infected in Taiwan. We turn now to the Central Epidemic Command Center. The virus was still in its incubation period. Could he have been infected locally? It is possible, although here in Taiwan our quarantine hotels are all one person, one room. Quarantiners don't come into contact with anyone, so the possibility of local transmission is relatively low. We will drill down on this case and cultivate the strain in the lab to see if it is related to Chinese viral strains. The sequencing will make the situation clearer. At the time of his diagnosis, this Taiwan national had a very high viral load and no antibodies, suggesting that his infection was relatively recent. He is the first COVID case believed to have come from China since February 6th. A two-week moratorium is underway on immigration from Indonesia due to the rising number of COVID-19 cases emerging among the migrant worker community. That pause on immigration is hitting employers who are waiting for Indonesian care workers to enter the country, highlighting the fragility of Taiwan's health system in a globalized economy. 
More than 10 years ago, Mr. Liu suffered a spinal injury in a workplace accident which left him paralyzed from the neck down. Now 53, his round-the-clock care is too much for his elderly mother. He relies on support from his Indonesian carer. For example, when I get into or out of bed, I have to rely on her help. Washing, turning over, I always need her. So I need her practically 24 hours a day. My mother is very old and I can't put it all on her. She has to turn me over in the night too, about twice an hour. A migrant care worker asks only 700 NT a day. A Taiwanese care worker asks 2,500 NT. And 76% of migrant carers are from Indonesia. With all immigration from Indonesia on pause for two weeks, over 3,000 Taiwanese employers will be affected. But employers say they are also concerned about COVID-19. My friend is also applying for an Indonesian care. If one came, I also wouldn't dare to meet her. You never know if they'll turn out to have the virus. There are so many Indonesian people testing positive every day. It's really very worrying. Most Indonesians who come to Taiwan are migrant workers. This doctor thinks Taiwan should learn from the cautionary example of Singapore. The biggest threat the pandemic poses Taiwan is currently via migrant workers. Although there is a two-week pause now, we can predict that afterward it's very likely the border will be reopened to them. When the pandemic first reached Singapore, it was quickly brought under control. But in April, daily case numbers grew into the hundreds and 90% of those patients were migrant workers. Taiwan's long-standing reliance on migrant workers for healthcare is meeting unprecedented challenge in the age of COVID. The Industrial Technology Research Institute and Thai Power signed an MOU on Tuesday to expand their partnership in the in energy sector. The signing ceremony was attended by ITRI Chairman Li Shiguang, ITRI President Liu Wenxiong, and Thai Power Chairman Yang Weifu. Under the MOU, ITRI will continue to help Thai Power optimize operations through the use of AI, big data analysis, and other technologies. The two sides will also broaden cooperation in areas like talent cultivation and international outreach. At an MOU signing ceremony, ITRI and Thai Power launched the second phase of their strategic partnership. Their new MOU marks a big step forward for Taiwan's energy sector. Economics Vice Minister Zhen Wenshen was present to witness the moment. If we want the energy sector to transform into a bona fide tech sector, we'll need to bring in the participation of the ICT sector. That is what ITRI and Thai Power are working on. They're taking the state enterprise of power production and expanding it into a national team. Without bringing in the ICT industry, the sector would absolutely be doomed. That is why this MOU's main points include international cooperation, talent cultivation and tech R&D. In the future, ITRI and Thai Power will assist each other in four main areas, technology R&D, talent cultivation, joint ventures and international outreach. They will work together on establishing smart power grids, digital operations and innovative energy technologies to accelerate a digital transformation in the energy sector. ETRI has tremendous R&D capabilities. I hope we can integrate our R&D capabilities with the work of our colleagues on the front line. Work is underway on telecommunications, AI and big data applications, as well as the digitalization of systems. As things currently stand, this MOU has a broader scope for industrial cooperation than the MOU for Phase 1. ETRI and Thai Power have renewed their partnership in order to propel Taiwan's green energy sector forward to strike a balance between power generation and environmental protection. 
Now let's turn to a doctor who's helping professionals focus better through brain training. Dr. Chen Xingxiong, a longtime neurologist, in introduced a U.S.-based brainwave training system to his foundation three years ago. Through the use of customized training courses for the brain, he hopes to help Taiwanese office workers and managers improve their concentration and work productivity. Wearing sensors on his head, he gazes intently at the screen during a brain training exercise. Brian Tai has been doing these exercises for three years. He started at the suggestion of his sister, who thought it might help with his high-pressure job. Tai says that after taking the courses, his concentration and ability to manage his emotions have improved. I think, um, yeah, especially I think it became very obvious after my mom passed um, that it, it's it's it became uh, very hard for me to focus and very it was more I make decision based on emotion rather than logic. Um, I think that was the main uh, the main shift that I was able to make decision based on logic more than emotion. There are 19 sensors worn on the head, and they can detect the operation of a person's neural networks. During the tailor-made classes, a trainee might be asked to focus on a video being played. If the sensors detect a lack of focus, the content disappears until full concentration is restored. Trainees are given their brainwave data from the course so that they can monitor their progress. Yes, so the QEG trainees mainly focus on the ability to feedback. So essentially during the class that the student will realize when the, when the feedback is provided, the reward is given, that they are in the good state of the good state of their ability to focus. But at the same time, when their rewards not given, they understand that that's not the ideal state they should be in. And through constant practice, they're able to form a new habit of ability to be focused. Simon Tang's father is a longtime neurologist who spent much of his career helping children with learning disabilities. The father and son pair began using the neurofeedback training system in Taiwan three years ago. This November, they opened a dedicated training center. So the target audience for our training center, the QEEG Focus Training Center, is mainly for uh, working, working professionals who are seeking to improve their ability to pay attention. Not necessarily ADD patients per se, because they, patients actually require medical help. We're not that. We're simply training the ability to focus through neurofeedback technology. Simon Tang says that over the past three years, they've used the system to support about 100 people. He hopes that through the new training center, he and his father can help more children and adults train their brain and improve their focus. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Wudong Mao in Taipei. Taiwan has chosen its Chinese character of the year. Can you guess what it is, Celia? I'm guessing something to do with COVID? Well, that's right. To the surprise of no one, Taiwanese have picked the character E, which means plague. The annual character of the year poll was conducted by United Daily News. Let's hear from its editor-in-chief. Face masks have become a part of daily life, and disinfection has become a must. Given the circumstances, the fact that plague was selected is completely unsurprising. UDN has held its Character of the Year poll for 13 years now. This year, more than 80,000 votes were cast, and one-third of which went to the winning character. That's almost twice as many as the runner-up character, Xu, which means to stockpile. Third place went to Men, which means stuffy or smothered. 
A hairdresser in Keelung has won fame both for his avant-garde style in his early days and now for his incredible wood carvings. Early in his career, he was one of the first to bring a Japanese hair craze to Taiwan. Now visitors to his salon are delighted by the unique art pieces that line the walls, many of which have a mythological inspiration. A comb in one hand and a hair iron in the other, the hairdresser masterfully curls the customer's hair in rows. Xie Shunfa has been in the industry 40 years. A consummate hair artist, he was once celebrated as the most fashion-forward stylist in Taiwan. Hair irons became really big in Japan and our salon in Taipei was the first in all of Taiwan to get one. But even more astonishing is Xie's ability to create miracles out of pieces of raw wood. Following an outline traced in blue on the wood little by little, his chisel carves out the details of a sculpture. His collection of different chisels allows him to express his creativity in myriad ways. This piece represents prosperity. This is a magic money tree. I used to have a treasure bowl I had made. Someone took a shine to that and bought it. Lots of people say to me when they come through, are you selling them? And I just say, I'm only an amateur. I don't need to sell them. But if you like it, I'll sell it to you. My wife says it makes up for the shortfalls in my business. It might not look like there's a common theme to hairdressing and wood carving, but to share they're both outlets for his practical artistry. When you've got an artistic background, it's the same with hairstyling. Most of us in hairdressing work indoors and don't get enough physical exercise. When I'm having fun with my wood carvings, I really enjoy the feeling of physical exertion, really putting in some elbow grease. Who would have thought wood carving could be both an art and a sport? These skillful hands bring a little bit of magic to everything they touch. Many people have had roast duck, but have you ever eaten roast goose? Well, I can't say that I have, but a restaurant in New Taipei serves slices of roast goose with a refreshing garnish of cantaloupe and pomelo pickled radishes. You can even wrap it uh, with some scorched rice for a unique crunchy texture. Let's take a look. The skin on this freshly roasted goose glistens golden brown. It emits a delicious aroma. The goose is basted with hot oil at 180 degrees. The skin turns white at first before finally acquiring some color. This gives it its crispy texture. With large knife, the goose is carved into 16 slices of crispy skin and meat, the perfect serving size as juices spill out. The traditional way of eating is by dipping it into sweet bean sauce, but this chef pairs it with pickled radishes with cantaloupes and pomelo for a refreshing sweet and sour bite. Another way to eat it is by sprinkling in some scorched rice and dipping it into sugar. There's a difference between roast goose and roast duck. Geese are larger in size while ducks are smaller. Duck breast is thicker while goose breast is slimmer. The goose bones don't go to waste. Instead, it is made into goose bone congee. Piping hot puff rice is poured into the soup. It pops and sizzles, releasing a rich fragrance. To make it, first, the goose chops are stir-fried. Then, bamboo shoots and pickles are tossed into the pot and stir-fried until flavorful. 
chicken stock is poured into the pot and the chef turns the heat to high, the emulsion of oil and water creates a creamy, milky white stock. Two types of rice are tossed into hot oil, instantly transforming into puffed rice. A few light taps and the rice comes apart. Thai long grain rice is different from our Taiwanese rice. Each kind of rice has a different kernel, so we use two types of rice to present a layered texture. After something savory, you can finish up the meal with a dessert of deep-fried cheese pastries. A bite into the crispy exterior will reveal the gooey two-cheese filling. It's a unique menu that turns expectations on their head.